the past, the present, the future. This is Friday Night Fright. What the planet is listening to. Hello and welcome back to new, old, something borrowed, something blue, something old, something new, Friday Night Fright. We're back horror movies, people. We're back to horror. No more Flash. Flash is on Tuesday. Flash recaps are on Tuesdays. Comic book stuff, maybe comic book Calvary. Comic book Calvacage will be made, maybe not, who knows. Right now, horror movies are back. Horror's back in vogue, boys. Horror's back on the menu, boys. Because it's Friday night frights. We fry on a Friday night. We fry on Friday night. Well, sometimes Thursday evening, sometimes Friday morning, sometimes Wednesdays, sometimes twice on Fridays, sometimes not on Fridays, or sometimes on Saturday morning and Thursday evening, but it's only sleep here nor there. It's Friday night fright, because we fry on Friday night, y'all. We're back. It's all fun. Go and get back some of those story arts that have been dropped. Where's Mabel? What's going on? What happens to Mabel? Is she still alive? Did she ever exist? Who knows? The, the the missing episodes, what happened with those? The Blair Witch, the the, the Grave Encounters 2, Fangos versus the Antimon, Dark Sight versus the Antimon, do you know it's Necron versus the Antimon Draven? There's so much, so many drop story threads, so much stuff I was going to do, interviews with people, didn't do that. Thought Wretch was a really good movie, never did an interview with the guy who made it, damn it, that's my bad. But more stuff, we're going to get back to this stuff, that's the plan, back to horror stuff, back to it. You know, back to what this made this podcast not great, but you know, back when it had more listeners than it does at the moment. Granted, men of them were Russian bots, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so what's on tap for this week? Well, Shutter Island discussion for one thing. Um, a movie I'll go in detail on later on, but a movie I definitely have a lot to speak about. And then Doctor Sleep? Uh, yeah, maybe Doctor Sleep. I don't know. Depends how much time I have. I'm calling this on Wednesday. I'm quite far behind. It's the theme for doing the, the Flash recaps on Tuesdays and it's on Fridays. Is it's obviously it's my mind to actually record the goddamn commentary and podcast. But again, that's neither here nor there. Um, so I guarantee you, this episode will be at least half an hour of content. Um, whether it's good content or not, I don't know. But Anyway, as usual, my name's Ian Austin, and this is Friday Night Fright, and I'll be back after a brief word from our sponsors, and our sponsors happen to be me, sponsoring the Anchor Podcast app, but I won't go into too much detail on that, because the past me's got to do that in a second, so I'll be back with brand new content in just a tick. So firstly, shut right in some context. So I first watched this, Christ, like... Maybe ten years, maybe six, seven years ago, in um, Aberyst with Wales. Um, Aberyst with obviously where I went to university in Wales. Um, my uh, BA in film in cinema and television studies, and in two thousand three to two thousand six, and then I did a, a MA in advanced script writing from two thousand eight to two thousand ten, and had time in my life both times, and I love and I like going. I'm going back in May. Because it's nice to catch up with people. But yeah, I first watched it. It's like 2 in the morning. I was going to leave. Um, uh, go on train like night 7 or something. I was stupid when I was younger. I was too stupid. But I was really stupid back then. And I just thought, oh, I'll stay up and watch a movie. And with, lo and behold, people I stay with, the 
one of the love people I was staying with said, yeah, yeah, I'll stay up watch it too. So we watched Shutter Island, which is a weird thing for two guys to do. Like, you you know, it's, it's but at the same time, it's. I think he hated it, but I really enjoyed it. I was barely awake, and I, I don't know. I I connected to themes inherent in movie where a guy went batshit insane, and yeah. So that's my context. That's first time watching, it. and I sort of. It's one of those things where same inception where, and there are going to be spoilers for this, by the way. Where you can't, I can't guess where it was going. But at the same time, I was like, it felt a bit weird. It's it's kind of a subconscious thing where you're not sure whether you enjoy it or not because you know what you've watched, but it hasn't really sunk in. You know, you're so rooted in where it's going and knowing where it's going and all of that that you don't really think about the character, emotional aspects of it. That's the point. It's like Chris Nolan always says about Inception. The point isn't what the ending is or isn't the point is what character feels is what Cobb feels is the important thing everything is it's just secondary the mystery aspect of it is bullshit in the end and yes there are going to be spoilers coming up but I'll probably in about two minutes time so for now it's just my personal slant on Shark Island is I think it's really 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 good I genuinely really enjoy watching it I think it's a very well written, very well directed, very well acted movie. And I think one of my favorite parts about it is it not so much that it rewards you more that you watch it, but the fact that you get to appreciate certain aspects of it more you watch it. You no, know, like just the nature of it. Once you stop focusing on where it's going, and like I said, for I pretty much has good sense of where it's going from the off once you stop focusing on that and start taking the aesthetic of it it's actually a surprisingly good movie to watch like really good i mean not that that's surprised particularly if martin scorsese uh, leonardo gabbio mark ruffalo ben kinsley and emily mortimer and michelle williams i mean that's and ted leaving too and that's an, and matt's von Sidrell, and that's an insanely good cast you know, and based on a really good book by all accounts. But at the same time, it's fascinating because this seems to be the first, well, maybe it's not, maybe there's a few more in his back catalogue, but to me, this is like the real embracing by um, Martin Scorsese of horror. Obviously, uh, some of his other movies I've seen have had horror aspects to them, but this is flat out. I don't even think you can call it thriller, really. It's just horrifying, you know? The way he encapsulates migraines visually on screen, visually and with sound. The way he uses dream sequences. The way he creates this sense of dread. The sound, the score. The score is some nightmare fuel-inducing shit. Like, some of the beats, some of the twangs and that. It's quite Hitchcockian, which is interesting. So yeah, I mean that's that's what I really like about it. But anyway, enough about that. It's kind of going spoiler territory. You were warned. So this movie essentially, for, by all accounts and purposes, is a purely surface reading. Is a movie about someone realizing he's crazy and the attempts that psychiatrists undergo to undo their craziness or get him to admit it, which you know actually is the first step to healing. So. It's a man who's being haunted by um, the massacre he participated in at Dachau. Um, 
a man named um, Andrew Ladis, um, is he, well, to sum up more, an FBI agent named Field, Field or something, I can't remember his name, goes to like, goes to Shutter Island to investigate the disappearance of patients. He goes with partner Chuck Orr, if you catch the pun, you might find that quite amusing, played by Mark Rufflow, and they create this sense of um, two meeting on ferry on Waiters Island, trying to uncover the mystery, but uncovering another mystery at the same time, and slowly the progression, the manipulations of Dr. Cordway, played by Ben Kinsley, and actually one of his better performances recently, in the general sense, DKS, we start venturing more and more in Shutter Island and almost venture more and more into the mindset of Theodore, Andrew, Theodore Edwards, a.k.a. Andrew Laidus, and start realising he is everything he hates and his guilt over the massacre at Dachau and his soldier, which based on a real event, by the way, starts encapsulating itself in visions from a woman from Michelle Williams, a woman, blonde woman who he knew in the past, as he tries to track down a woman named Rachel, who's apparently escaped the island, escaped the facility, shot the, um, where I can't remember what it's called, and is loose on the island. But as always, it's a manipulation. And what, what I really enjoy about this is the way they embrace the sort of nature of it, particularly Mark Rufflow as Chuck. He's so good at playing this sort of over-the-top cop character. But at first view, you wouldn't necessarily question it because he plays a lot of those sorts of characters. And just because it's a bit, maybe a bit broader than usual, a bit more theatrical doesn't change that fact. And Leo, of course, is particularly good, as as he tends to be with Martin Scorsese, they tend to have good aesthetic working together. He does a really good job playing a character who's very tormented, very conflicted, but also very emotionally reserved. He tries to hold back his emotions as much as possible until he physically can't, until boiling point comes and needs to let all of his frustrations out at the same time. And generally, yeah, yeah, like, it just gets crazier and crazier and crazier until it leads to the the climax. And from there, it goes into a really long scene. That's actually one of my favourite parts of the movie. I remember watching Psycho and reading an interview, uh, the book William Goldman wrote, um, one of his great adventures, more adventures in the screen trade, something like that. Oh, which lie did I tell even? more? Which lie did I tell more adventures in the screen tree? Where he talks about Psycho and says for him it falls... The end of Psycho, a climax is fantastic. You know, that bear, bear, burn, they catch mother and it turns out to be... Oh, uh, what's his name? Dude, um, guy, I can't remember his fucking name, but he's relatively famous. Um, shit, I give up. But the guy who played them... Um, the crazy guy in Psycho, and when he cut, and then after that, there's a re long psychiatry scene, which he says knocks the picture back a few grades from quality meter. In some ways, I agree, but in other ways, I really like that aspect of we're going to have the cool down sequence here because your climax shouldn't end the movie. It should be something a bit lower down. You know, even if it's a big ending, like something like Nightmare on Elm Street, where you get that last-minute shock, you still get some time to unwind after the big climax of the actual story. And Chuck Ryland does something like this perfectly, where they effectively last 30 minutes after he 
the character of Theodore finally found the often mentioned lighthouse where he believes that they're creating the ghosts, um, the super soldiers. He finds an office and we get a very long, very theatrical parlour scene of sorts where everything is explained to us in painstaking detail to a point where one might think, is this more manipulation? I mean, it's a pretty clear movie it's not, but in some ways you could make that case. It's a really, really good sequence because for the first time in the movie, we get something that's just simple, pure acting between three people. No props, no fanfare. Yes, there is a flashback in between, but just exceptionally good acting from Ben Kingsley, Mark Ruffler and Leonardo DiCaprio, which builds and builds and builds in a very talky sequence, which still works brilliantly. Even though it's a lot of exposition, the way it's delivered and commitment for the actors to material really saves the scene, you know? The role reversals of characters and all that jazz. And it's a really, really clever sequence, particularly where you created by Martin Scorsese. He is just the fucking best. Um period he's he's such an amazing director he's such an amazing guy in terms of coming up with stories and beats and editing i mean it's the irishman you know more i watch irishman more i think it's probably one of the best movies of the last 20 years but particularly shutter island for me is up there with his best no with his best i don't i'd say it would because i think he's doing a tribute to that sort of hitchcockian you know rear window sort of story you know vertigo sort of movie where it's playing on your expectations and subverting them but it doesn't feel like ham-fisted it feels like he picked right material to do that and managed to do a respectful pseudo homage but at the same time not being slavish to Hitchcockian tropes you know so yeah I, I, I think it's a great movie I think the bit of acting Leo does when you find the you finally realise what caused his character to have the break that divided between the um, Theodore Edwards, the Andrew Lazy's personality in Theodore Edwards, is probably, <laughs> for my money, best acting Leo's done. I don't rate The Revenant very much. I do rate it as a visual experience and, you know, as Leo being committed to act, but this is far better. In terms of the acting performance, and indeed it was his second movie that year to a similar theme. Inception is another movie where you not, where it doesn't try it tries mess with your head as to what's real and what's not. He does another incredible performance, and it makes you think he hit upon two great movies in the same year with very similar themes. Was that intentional? Who knows? But it's really good nonetheless, and. Just this is a really, really good movie. Really highly recommended horror movie. I don't have much to make fun of in it. I don't have much to criticize. I just really enjoyed it. I thought they did a great job. They stuck landing, which was good. And yeah, Shot Island could have easily been on my beautiful movies bonus episodes, but it's not. It's on its main podcast. And I, for one, really, really enjoyed it. Unfortunately, it doesn't lead to a super amount you can discuss about it, but it's on Netflix now. Definitely watch Shutter Island. And I guess I will be back. Um, I'll do a halftime thing, and then why not do Doc? I'll probably do Doc Sleep the Extended Edition. So I'll catch you guys in just a tick. And now, in halftime horror. 
Ian Austin presents a reading from movie Jaws. Japanese submarine Sam two torpedoes into our side, Chief. It's coming back from the island continuing to late. Just live at the bomb. The Hiroshima bomb. Eleven hundred men went into war. Vessel went down in twelve minutes. Didn't see the first shark for about half an hour. Tiger. Thirteen further. You know you know that when you're in water, Chief? It's say by looking from the dorsal tail. Well, we didn't know, because our bomb mission being so secret, no distress signal been sent. It didn't even list, list us overdue for a week. Very first light, Chief, the sharks come cruising. So we formed ourselves in tight groups. You know, it's kind of like old squares in battle, like uh, you, you still in Canada, like Battle of Waterloo. And the idea was the shark nearest man, and then he'd start pounding. And hollering and screaming, and sometimes shark would go away. Sometimes he wouldn't go away. Sometimes that shark, he looks right into you, right into your eyes. You know, think about shark, he's got lifeless eyes, black eyes, like a doll's eye. When he comes at you, it doesn't seem to be living. So he bites you, and those black eyes roll over white. And then, ah, oh, and then you hear that terrible high bit screaming, and the ocean turns red, and spiteful pounding and hollering, they all come in and rip you in pieces. You no, know, by the end of that first dawn, lost hundred men. I don't know how many sharks, maybe a thousand? I don't know how many men, they average six an hour. On Thursday morning, Chief, I bumped into a friend of mine, Herbie Robinson from Cleveland. Baseball player, Bosom's mate. I thought he was asleep, reached over and wake him up, bobbed up and down what just like a kind of top, upended. We'd well, been bitten in half below the waist. Noon fifth day, Mr Hooper, a locky venturer, saw us. He swung and learned he saw us. He he's a young pilot, a lot, lot younger than Mr Hooper anyway. He saw us us and coming low. And three hours later a big fat PBY comes down and starts to pick us up. You know that's the time I was most frightened? Waiting for my turn. Well never put on a life jacket again. So eleven hundred men went in water, 316 men come out, sharks took rest. June 29th, 1945. Anyway, we just live at bomb. That was dramatic reading by Ian Austin for Friday Night Fright. Hey, so I didn't watch Doc Sleep. I watched a little movie called Midsummer by um, Ari Aster. Those of you who've listened to this podcast, sorry, I'd fight. <laughs> Those of you who've listened to this podcast for the whole time it's been on or for a while would probably be aware I did a commentary for Hereditary not too long ago, the um, Tony Collette horror movie, which got a lot of praise at the time and indeed still gets a lot of praise, but I found to be a pretty poor, pretty mediocre, and my commentary, which is pretty much full of disdain, Dissertation and generally despondent, desperatory. Uh, I can't even continue. I just thought it's dreadful, to be honest. I thought it was really bad and I did not enjoy it. And so I spent most country mocking movie, making fun of it, and making various bad taste jokes about um, the depression aspect and fact that I generally, and this wasn't so much bad taste joke but I generally thought it should have been either a movie about depression or a movie about supernatural aspects I thought combining two was a nice idea in theory but in actual execution it's pretty mediocre and so it comes to Midsummer, which kind of 
destroys my viewpoint a little because this movie is flat out horror but it's not supernatural um what's the best way to do this uh spoilers from hearing just to be honest essentially it's a movie about grief where somewhat similar to Hereto, which is also moved about grief, won't have it both ways with supernatural aspect and the dramatic aspect. And this movie kind of goes a different way by just playing up the horror of human beings. In fact, no, everything done in this movie is something a human being could do if they're that way inclined. And reamping that aspect up makes it a lot more terrifying. Essentially, this is a movie about two things, cults and feminism. It's a, or at least feminism from a male sort of perspective, because, you know, it's not a movie which is really framed in a female viewpoint, despite the fact that Florence Pugh gives an outstanding performance, and she is generally really, really goddamn good in this movie. Like, I mean, she's always been a really good actress, but this is just, like, a step up. Indeed, elevates material past the point you expect to be elevated. This takes quite a stringent view of it. It's, it's an interesting movie, because there's a lot of weird aspects to it, and it is weird, but at the same time, it's not quite the way you think it would be. It kind of sticks to that tone for Red Terry, which is a tad more gritty, a tad more... Down to earth. Well, I mean, there were fantastical elements to Hereditary which dragged it down, but general nature of it is quite uncomfortable to watch. And so, this movie is quite uncomfortable to watch too, but in a different way. It has more of an epic feel to it, you know, despite the fact that one could say it's quite centralised because it's set primarily in one location. The way camera moves, the way actors act, and things like that creates this sense of visual grandeur, if you will. And also quite interesting, because I was going to watch The Shining today, and Shining obviously deviates somewhat from horror archetypes because it creates a sense of unease by you not knowing how long characters have been at this place. And this movie does the same thing, because ostensibly this movie set over a few days, but the way we never see night time kind of messes with our perceptions a bit. And the characters do mention that at certain points. The fact that they're not sure what day it is, or what even what year it is to some extent. It feels like they spent lifetime in this commune in Sweden. Uh, well, can't discuss this movie without discussing the fact that it is very, 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 very uncomfortable to watch in terms of the grief portrayed. Florence Pugh's not going for sexy crime by any means in this movie. She's going for, no, I'm actually, my character's actually having fucking nervous breakdown. Indeed, most characters in this movie share her fate. They're all somewhat unlikable. I mean, Danny's a tag clingy, granted, but she's clearly got some issues going on as the movie progresses and she takes her medication less and less. We get to see those issues come to the forefront. But in general, none of the characters are particularly likeable. Danny's boyfriend's an asshole who doesn't want to give her any emotional support. Her sister is bipolar and goes batshit insane and commits suicide and also murder suicide with hers and Danny's parents. The various friends, Josh, Mark and Ingram are all assholes to a different nature. And people who run cult and commune a piece of shit too. Right down to the red-headed debutante, I suppose you'd call it, whose central plan seems to be she wants to fuck Danny's boyfriend.
and get pregnant by him, which is kind of messed up, you know, Danny's right there. But movie generally does a good job of portraying Danny as a genuinely somewhat broken, somewhat tragic, but somewhat understandable in terms of characterization and reality. You know, just just a, a nice woman who's been broken by society and by tragedy and fate and is looking for solace anywhere she can find and finds it in this really fucked up commune. It is really, really fucked up. I've never actually seen The Wicker Man, so I assume this is somewhat in the same regard as that movie. You know, I have to assume. But this one, I mean, uh, uh, what's central? my central issue of this movie is it's too long. And that's central issue of me with movies in general. I think movies nowadays, they drag on too long and they don't know when to finish. And this one's no exception. The first two hours are really, really, really good. Like, genuinely great, really entertaining, good slope character progression, but a methodical way building to the tension rising to really excellent levels right up to the scene where the old couple commits suicide and everyone watches and everyone's broken because the husband falls down and breaks his legs and then has to smash his head in with a fucking giant hammer. Everyone freaks out, and that's probably, to me, high point for the movie, because it's really terrifying, but it's also a good scene in terms of the character art for Danny by pointing out that she can't escape suicide, no matter where she goes to. But it's the probably the most tense, best scene in the movie, because you know exactly what goes, what's going to happen, but movie drags out so slowly that you just get more and more uncomfortable, and you almost you just want the tension to end, but when it does, it's somewhat anticlimactic, but that seems intentional. But from there, I don't think movie hits those peaks again. Granted, I don't entirely think it's trying to hit those peaks again, but it, it, you know what I mean. It feels like that's the climax of movie and the movie goes on for about an hour and a quarter more it's such a way done sequence such a really really brutal sequence to watch in fact in a lot of ways this version feels like a director's cut but it's not strangely you know all the character stuff is in this cut and there's a lot of added stuff which doesn't really contribute much to the overall picture but does more to the aesthetic of the movie and indeed, the central theme movie seems to be twofold. One, the ideology behind suicide, and two, the sense of finding a family of sorts. People who understand you, and indeed, commune seems to. The one fantastic aspect of movies seems to be they can actually somewhat em- feel empathy to a point where people in commune can actually feel what other people are feeling and sometimes that's uh the debutante losing her virginity to danny's asshole boyfriend and also getting pregnant at the same time sometimes it's danny having fucking nervous breakdown if one relating to her and having their own nervous breakdowns which is quite uncomfortable and eerie to watch and indeed, this movie ends as all movies do with a fucking man bear suit being set on fire but what can you do yeah, uh, Midsummer. I, I will openly admit I didn't enjoy Hereditary very much. I'd give it probably a 5 out of 10. This would probably get an 8 out of 10. Not quite 10 out of 10 because I think it went on a little bit too long. And despite Florence Pugh's amazing performance, that couldn't quite save it from its safe, I guess. But in general, really, really good. Like, just 
two-thirds of great horror movie nowadays is a triumphant safe, and I did enjoy watching it, surprisingly. The plan was to watch Doctor Sleep, but that kind of stayed through last minute, so I thought Midsummer's on Amazon Prime. I kept telling people I would watch it, and I figured, why not watch it? So yeah, 8 out of 10, really enjoyed it, and I would be looking forward to the next movie by this director. I think it's not so much a sophomore slumber as a sophomore rise to the surface, but yeah, I, 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 I'd be game for watching more of his stuff and maybe re-watching Hereditary down the line without being a douchebag making jokes about it. Anyway, that's my review of Hereditary, of Midsummer, And my second review of Hereditary, if you guys fancy catching it, it's on Amazon Prime. And in context, it sounds a lot better than I've made it sound. So there you go. I'll be back in second with the epilogue. <laughs> Hey guys, it's time for the epilogue. I know everyone's having a great week and know this coronavirus is sweeping around. I can't comment too much on that. I work for the NHS, so I won't say much more than just try and stay safe, stay healthy, watch some terrible horror movies, get Shudder out. Get Shudder app for a week, watch some terrible horror movies, or watch some good horror movies on the other apps. I don't know, watch... watch Midsummer, watch Doctor Sleep, watch Shining, watch Shutter Island. I don't know whether takes fancy watch Zombie Flashers if you can find it. I don't know what's on anymore, but if you can find that, watch it. Or watch George Romero's Storm of the Dead. Or if you don't want to be reminded of what's going on at the moment, watch Shot Treatment, which I'll be covering maybe next week. Who knows? That's a horror movie. Anyway, this was my return horror. I hope you like it. I know it's been a while. Um, I have lots of terrible horror movies I'm going to be watching in the next few weeks and of course the Flash recaps will be on Tuesday so thanks for listening I'll see you next Tuesday for Flash recap and next Friday for more horror and as always remember life is beautiful peace out (laughs)